Kabbalah, the vocabulary of giving. What is a language made up of? It's made up of letters that are arranged to make words and sentences. That's not all. It needs a voice and intonation to give it meaning. In the language of the Kabbalah, the term letters actually means vessels for the light. As they are arranged into words, they provide receptacles of consciousness for light that is specific to them. It is the voice and the intonation that gives life and meaning to words. And in the language of the Kabbalah, these terms indeed refer to light that is called in by these vessels. Last week, I was at my Tai Chi lesson. Although I'm a conscientious student, I've been learning for about seven years, I can't say I'm at all proficient. Working with my teacher the other day, I remarked how I feel like a machine that stutters or like a person stammering. She laughed and told me that as long as she can remember, she's been involved with martial arts in all their many forms for most of her life. I can see from the way she moves and the way that she's accurate in every move she makes that she knows the language of movement. For me, it is a new language. This set me thinking, what is involved in learning a new language? I don't mean a new verbal language, where we just exchange one vocabulary for another, where we translate from one set of words to an equivalent set. I mean, where we exchange one mode of behaviour in thinking for another, when we exchange one pattern of habits ingrained over a lifetime for another, when we exchange one set of vessels for another. I was brought up speaking English. When I was young, I learnt Lashon HaKodesh, that is Hebrew, in order to read the Torah and the Siddur. I loved the learning and was good at it. But it wasn't until I came to Israel at the age of 26 that I started to actually speak Hebrew. At first, I was halting. In my brain, I found I was translating from the Hebrew I was listening to, to English inside myself, and then back from English to the Hebrew I spoke. But Hebrew and English don't belong to the same family of languages and seem to form different thought patterns in the brain. I was trying to translate in my brain using the old vessels that I had in place for English rather than using directly the new vessels I was developing for Hebrew. Once I had enough vocabulary, I decided the next step would be to try and speak Hebrew like a native, without that intermediate step of translating first. At the beginning, it was weird. After having made good progress, I suddenly found I could hardly say anything at all. I couldn't understand what anyone was saying to me. Part of me wanted to go back to the old way, but something made me persevere. And then an odd thing started to happen. I found myself responding to questions and holding conversations that seemed to flow, and that the questioner seemed to think he had received a satisfactory answer from me. But I myself had a strong feeling that I didn't understand either what he'd asked or what I answered. What seemed to have happened is that my brain had formed new, different pathways for Hebrew, 
but I was still looking in the old places within me to understand. That is, I was trying to receive the light of understanding in vessels that were no longer relevant. Sometime later, a friend remarked that when I spoke Hebrew, not only were the words were different, but all my intonation and body language became different also. Learning any new language isn't an easy task. They say the older you are, the harder it is. I don't personally think that that is necessarily the case. There's new research out now on the plasticity of the brain that tells us that the brain is a more flexible organ than we ever imagined and we can certainly learn new pathways and make new connections at any time. Learning a new language is also the theme of the Kabbalah. I don't mean learning the vocabulary of Svirot and other technical terms. I mean the language of connection with the Creator. We start off in this world learning the language of receiving. When we're born into this world, the life school of the physical world is set up for us, so first we learn how to receive. The ego develops along the laid-out pathways in all its levels. First we learn the language of receiving in the physical world so that we will survive. We learn it from our parents, our siblings, our friends, and then the wider society. We learn to receive not only our physical sustenance, but also our emotional and our intellectual sustenance from the world around us. And we also learn how to receive not only the necessities of life, but also things that we could in fact do without. This, in the language of the Kabbalah, is called receiving for oneself alone. This is the language we all develop. Its pathways are well embedded in our physical and emotional systems. Yet, as we learn from the Kabbalah, we learn that receiving for ourselves alone is the language that separates us from God. It leads us to goals that can never be satisfied, to dead ends, and separates us from our inner self, our true self, the spark of God within us, our connection with our Creator. To learn a new language, a language of connection with our Creator, we have to come first into affinity of form with Him. And so we are given the obligation of Torah mitzvot from the age of 13. Through the study of the Torah and the practice of the mitzvot, we learn the vocabulary of a new language, the language of giving unconditionally. At first, learning this new language of giving feels to me like learning a new movement in the Tai Chi class. My teacher shows me the movement first. It seems boring, empty of content. You move your hand this way instead of that. What difference does it make, I grumble to myself, as I try to follow her directions. Then she tells me I'm making the movement in an external way only. The movement has to come from the spine, from the centre. Slowly, we develop the language. We see what meridians are involved, what energy pathways. Finally, we add in the breath, the key, the life force. We learn the applications of the movement. And gradually, 
what started as an empty external movement only, becomes a movement involving the whole body, imbued with meaning, full of life force and energy. Similarly, when we start off with Torah and Mitzvot, learning this new language of giving, we tend to practice in an external way only. We try to study the Torah or practice the Mitzvot using the same pathways that we already have ingrained within us, those of receiving. But the purpose of practicing Torah mitzvot isn't in order to enhance those same language pathways we've already got set up. The purpose of studying the Torah is not to gain more intellectual satisfaction. The purpose of performing the mitzvot is not in order to gain more spiritual gains. If we were to do that, we would end up more enmeshed in the consciousness of receiving than we ever were before. But the purpose of a practice of Torah Mitzvot is to learn the new language, the language of giving unconditionally, a language that will bring us into Vekut with the Creator and fulfill the purpose for which we were created. It actually involves a 180 degree turnabout in our motivation, our responses and any activity that we undertake. Giving unconditionally feels as strange to my senses as learning Tai Chi. It feels full of stops and starts, bursts of enthusiasm followed by moments of despair, humiliating failure after the most resolute of good intentions. The most important thing is to keep going. We need to investigate. What tools do we have to learn this language? How do we learn the letters, the words and make sentences in this most unfamiliar language of behaviour? The Torah gives us 613 mitzvot. 248 of them are positive commands. Mitzvot which make up the vocabulary and their practice helps us develop new, previously unknown pathways for speaking this language. Furthermore, there are 365 negative commands which warn us against using the old ingrained vessels of the world to receive for ourselves alone. It's true that not all of these will apply to each person, but that is the basic vocabulary given to us. There are also actions which, although not specifically prohibited by the Torah, yet we instinctively feel that they separate us from the Creator. These come under the biblical injunction, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus chapter 19. We all have our own individual vessels of receiving for ourselves alone that come under this category. The idle surfing on the internet, the nonsensical novel, the overeating or indulgence. These indeed may be even more difficult to deal with than the prescribed actions which make up the 365 don't do's. But over and against these indulgent actions, we have the huge wealth of opportunities of doing gemilut chasadim, of giving to the other, infinite opportunities for us to develop new pathways in giving unconditionally. But to learn a new language, especially one which demands of us to change our basic nature, we require motivation. This we get from the study of the innermost aspect of the Torah. The Torah gives us the life energy, the connection with the source of all life. 
Being of the same essence as the Creator himself, the Torah has a light within it that brings a person back to the right way. Learning the Torah for its own sake, trying to develop these new vessels, involves a connection with the essence of the Torah, and we become illumined by its light. At first, when we start trying to think, speak and act according to our new language of giving unconditionally, we find ourselves not understanding what is asked of us, and even more peculiar, not understanding our own answers. We try to get satisfaction using our old vessels for receiving, but they don't work in this new mode. So at the beginning, we stumble, we get our motives mixed. But slowly, if we persevere, our ability to use our new language gradually improves and giving unconditionally no longer seems the far-fetched remote idea it once did. We could ask the question, why didn't God create us speaking this language of giving in the first place? It would certainly have been much easier. Why did we first have to learn the language of receiving and then learn the language of giving? It is indeed a good question and we would not be the first to ask it. This question was asked in the Zohar by the companions of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar. Here is the piece together with Rabbi Ashlag's commentary, the Perusha Sulam, woven in. Zohar Bereshit, paragraph 180. The Zohar says, The companions asked him, If this is the case, that man was created, but that he would sin, why is all this? If the reason for the creation of man is so that he can repent and rectify what he's ruined, why create him with good and evil from the start? Then a man would not come into sin from the beginning. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai answered the companions, If it were not so that the Holy Blessed One created man with both good and evil, with both light and darkness, there would be no mitzvot or transgressions in the creation. But man is created from both the light and the dark, as the scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, See, I have placed before you this day both the life and the good, and the death and the evil. That is to say that both mitzvot and sins are given to a man, and there's prepared for him the choice to choose between good and evil. But the companions answered, Why is all this necessary? Would it not have been better if man had been created without the darkness? Then he would have neither punishment nor reward, rather than be created and sin and spoil so much? He said to them, It was necessary that he should be created thus, because the Torah was created for man, and in it is written the consequences for the wicked and the reward for the righteous. It is not possible that there could be reward and punishment except for man in creation, who is made up of both light and dark, as it is written, For so said the Lord, the Creator of heaven, who is God, who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it for a waste. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Isaiah 45 That is, he created it to give a reward for the righteous. What is the reward? 
It is the attainment of the Torah, as it is said, and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, like the waters cover the sea. For the Torah and the Holy Blessed One are one. And if he had not created man with both light and dark, which gives the possibility of choice between good and evil, and consequently reward and punishment, there would be no possibility of revealing the good to the righteous. Thus the Torah was written for man. The companions answered, Certainly we have understood now what we didn't understand until today, and now it is clear that the Holy Blessed One did not create anything which was superfluous. audio recording is brought to you from Nahorah School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Hudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Nahorah School online. Details at www.nahorahschool.com or www.nahorahpress.com.